All right. Yeah. Yon's out. Welcome to Barnyard Language. We are Katie and Arlene, an Iowa sheep farmer and an Ontario dairy farmer with six kids, two husbands, and a whole lot of chaos between us. So kick off your boots, reheat your coffee, and join us for some Barnyard Language, honest talk about running farms and raising families. In case your kids haven't already learned all the swears from being in the barn, it might be a good idea to put on some headphones or turn down the volume. While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Welcome back to another episode of Barnyard Language. Thank you for joining us again today. And we'll start off in our usual manner where I ask Katie what's new on the farm. So Katie, what's happening these days? Not much. Our boss cow had her calf last week because she does what she wants. And one of our uh, boss ewes had triplet lambs the other day because she also does what she wants. And keep in mind, we're not supposed to start lambing until uh, the first week of March. And it is currently the second week of January, so that should tell you something. The ram got in with the ewes for like two hours one day, and it was apparently enough that two of our ewes have lambed in the last two weeks. Um, knock on wood, anyone else should have lambed by now if they were going to. Um, and we're not supposed to be calving right now either, but Rose also does what she wants. Other than that, just trying to get back in the the swing of it not being the holidays and everybody going back to work and to school and to the places they're supposed to be doing the things they're supposed to be doing. Um, some members of our family are more enthusiastic about that than others. The boy child does not believe that he needs any further education. You know, he's, he's halfway through three-year-old preschool. He's pretty sure that's enough. Um, he's also decided that he's farming sunflowers now. And he has designated various areas of our home as various types of crops. They're, of course, not marked in any way that anyone can see until he starts screaming that you're walking through his soybeans. Uh, other than that, not a lot. How have things been at your house, Arlene? Well, speaking of people who are supposed to go back back to, you know, like places like school and places where they're supposed to go, we're not in that uh, mode yet. We... Got an announcement last week that yes, the kids are going back to school. Just a couple days delay. There's they're supposed to go back Monday. Then they told us they would go back Wednesday, and then on Monday they told us that no, actually they're not going to go back in person. So we started back into virtual school again on Wednesday. So it's only been three days, but it feels like three weeks already. So I have the oldest who's in co-op but now is not going to her placement at the moment because of of covid cautions um and then so she's not actually doing school so that kind of works out because she's doing some chores for me so then i don't have to milk in the morning and then go right into online school and then uh the boys are in grade eight grade six and grade two so the grade eight and the grade six are pretty good they're keeping up with their work as far as i know until i get an email from their teacher to tell me otherwise. Um, but the grade two, he's seven. And um, yeah, there's not a lot of work gets done if there's not someone right beside him. So that's my current daytime job is uh, doing grade two again. So 
he doesn't enjoy it. And as you know, as a byproduct of that, I don't enjoy making him do it, but this is where we are right now. So yeah, farm wise, I haven't been in the barn for a couple of days, so I'm not exactly sure, but I assume everything's fine. I get the, the updates from my uh, husband and my daughter about who's pregnant and who's calved and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's not super cold, so that's good. Things aren't aren't freezing. And uh, some ground that we got tiled earlier in the year, they're doing some clear up now. We got some, uh, some bit of bush kind of cleaned up and fence rows and that kind of stuff. So they're they're doing some of that now that the ground is, is frozen. So that's happening down the road, but I haven't been down to check on it lately. So yeah, mostly just grade two. Sorry, I was just Googling how cold it is here in Celsius because I don't. <laughs> I need the translation because Fahrenheit means nothing it to is, me. It uh, is, my car thermometer was saying it was negative 27 degrees Celsius this morning, which is 17 below Fahrenheit. That was without the wind chill. Um, I think that's a lot of the issue we're having with the kids is I cannot just throw them out the door as easily as I normally would. The, sure. uh, the girl child has taken to literally running laps through the house after school, which when combined with her brother's insistence that no one touch invisible portions of on the his floor <laughs> yeah. because of his sunflowers, which he is sure. chopping for his cows, um, has gotten loud. But yeah. for our listeners... Y'all are just lucky that we didn't go with our initial plan for today's update, which was just going to be screaming into the void and crying incoherently, because that's yeah, kind of where everybody's at today. I have to say, it seems a little unfair to even make a second grader try to work from home, or to make adults try to convince a second grader to do remote learning. I mean, I don't yeah. know what the alternative would be, but it's only second grade. It can't be... That's the thing, though. I mean, we've this is our, I think, fourth, yeah, fourth time that we've been in virtual learning, and at this point, they've, you know, cumulative, cumulatively missed over six months of of school. You know, when you combine all those months together, so I mean, it adds up. I mean, it feels like, oh, what's the point? But at the same time, when you add up all those months of of shutdowns, I mean, he's gone from SK to to grade two with multiple shutdowns of, of schooling so I mean we, we he's already behind and I mean I know I've talked to his teacher there's lots of them that are but I mean these are grade one grade two is when you start to learn to read and really figure out language so as much as I would like to just say oh it's no big deal he'll catch up I don't know how long this lockdown is going to last either so I just feel yeah. like we have to have to try where we can well and I suppose that's the problem is you can't just say well we'll catch up when it's done because it could be five years you know? yeah i mean hopefully, I mean, they, it, hopefully they, it won't they closed be it's already us down. been two years so. yeah that's right they, they closed us down before at march break and they never went back to school so they they went from march to september not back in the building so i don't know if this is going to be 10 days like they say or two months so we'll just yep. start as we plan to proceed right we will keep our fingers crossed for your thanks uh emotional health <laughs> and the continued health of your children. In a positive update, my uh, subscription box from the local distillery arrived on my doorstep today. So I haven't opened it yet. But uh, that's... And you compared that with your cheese box from yesterday. It was very yes, jealous. Yes, exactly. Our, our uh, lovely new neighbors who milk sheep brought us over so a New Year's gift of a bunch of the cheeses that they don't make, but that their, their sheep's milk goes into. So we have, I think, seven different types of... Uh, 
raw sheep's milk cheeses to try out. So charcuterie board and whatever the distillery sent me night. That sounds like a, a reasonable way to spend the evening. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, we took the girl child to get her first uh, vaccine last night. Our local pharmacy is doing them. And we had had it scheduled and then daddy cut his finger off and then got COVID. So that kind of slowed things down. Um, she seems to think that it's to cure bug bites or perhaps prevent bug bites. But she was happy to go and she got a Hello Kitty Band-Aid, which she proudly took her shirt off to show all her classmates this morning. And um, she got a stuffed octopus and she was quite well pleased with the world. So hopefully she'll be willing to go back in three weeks and get a second one. Hopefully we'll just continue like that. Yeah, we found like our regulations or guidelines are that you're supposed to do eight weeks between the two shots. Um, so our kids had got their first ones, but it was not until early February that they were booked for their second. But then I found out through a friend that you could you could waive that and get them done earlier if you had if the parents decided that they were OK with it. So we went ahead and got our younger two in for their second shots at um, I guess it's about five weeks just because it seems like the numbers are going up. And if they did go back to school, it'd be nice to have them fully vaccinated when they when they went back. So yeah. we got them in yesterday at a walking clinic. So that was pretty nice. And we did yep, the usual uh, Timbits and hot chocolate on the way home. Well, see, they'll probably agree to pretty much anything for Timbits and hot chocolate, right? Yeah. It's, you know, um, our area is really lacking in guidelines, but just trying to do what seems safest for the community and you know i don't worry too much about our kids getting sick because they're young and healthy but you know there are folks out there for whom this would be a a real problem if they catch mm -hmm. it so you know doing what we can to, to help those folks and to help our hospitals not be quite as overwhelmed because it yeah for sure. sounds like that's not going super well this week we're talking to sandra benchwell a general practice attorney in decorah iowa um Sandra, what are you growing? That could be your business, your family, whatever. I know you have a dog, so I, I, I know do that have much. A, I do have a dog. I am growing, I guess, his ability to be on a leash and not run away um, That's important. from me and take me with him. So He's a, he's a big dog, right? He's a medium-sized dog, apparently. He's a but little bit bigger than a lap dog. Okay. Very enthusiastic and very loving. <laughs> That counts for a lot. Um, so what else are you growing your career or whatever else you're up to? Yeah, I, I mean, I am actually literally growing. Um, I just planted um, and got all my rows ready for winter. So I've got garlic in the ground and all that stuff. So I actually am literally growing oh, cool. um, that and as well as an indoor garden in my basement. So that's my biggest fun thing. But all right. And do you want to so give Sandra, us your disclaimer? Sorry. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, do you want to, <laughs> Sandra, do you want to give us your disclaimer before we start getting into the uh, law related questions? Yes, I have it written out. So this information is provided as general information purposes only and not may not reflect the current law in your jurisdiction to whomever is listening. By listening to this episode, you understand that there is no attorney client relationship between you and myself or, uh, as a, an attorney or the podcast publisher, no information contained in this episode can be construed as legal advice. Um, 
and it is not intended as a substitute for legal counsel on any subject matter, no listener of the episode should act or refrain from acting on the basis of the information included in or accessible through this episode without seeking appropriate legal or other professional advice on the particular facts and circumstances at issue from a lawyer licensed in the recipient state, country, or other applicable or appropriate licensing jurisdiction. That's a much more in-depth disclaimer than ours. But I suppose it's your law license (laughs) at hand. So, um, Arlene, did you want this next question? Sure. So, Sandra, how did you decide to become an attorney? (laughs) And Katie wrote this one out. So she also asked, and have you always liked to argue? Um, My mother would say I would always always like to argue. Um, She stated that (laughs) I would spend 15 minutes arguing why I shouldn't do the dishes when I could have just done them and had them done by that time. Um, But I originally wanted to be a dentist. So um, that is just what my parents did. And I decided I really didn't like science, but I still wanted to help people as much as possible and be kind of like a front facing. um, So that uh, I ended up sitting uh, the LSAT and got accepted in the law school and I was like great (laughs) so all kind of into it I like that you're fully prepared to argue about whether you like to argue or not yeah that's that's good (laughs) so how do should a person go about finding a, a lawyer that fits their needs and when do they know that they should need to have a lawyer at all yeah so um a lot of times we get referrals by word of mouth. Um, uh, in this day and age, however, we have this fun little thing called the Google. Um, and there is often um, a lot of attorneys, either the, their bar association. So for Iowa Bar, there is a find a, a, an attorney and you can put in what practice area you're looking for. If you're looking for a will, if you're looking for um, a particular location and you can kind of drill down from there. And then um, essentially if there, if you do have somebody who's having some sort of issue that's similar to yours, maybe they did have an attorney, maybe they might have a recommendation for you in your area. Um, but almost always, if you're starting big, you can always start at a, the state's, uh, bar association is always a good place to start if you have no clue how to even start. Um, but other than that, a lot of people tell you if they liked their attorney or not. (laughs) So, um, that's, uh, kind of how we end up getting a lot of recommendations. And a lot of times, a lot of families, they just stick with the same attorney or the same firm for years and years and years. And so that's another option as well as to see who's, who you're related to and who their attorney is if they're in the area. Sandra, I know that was part of why we established a relationship with you because the mm-hmm. attorney we had been using was getting to retirement age. And since we're younger with younger children, we wanted somebody that we could stick with for more than mm-hmm. a year. You know, mm-hmm. if we're gonna go to the, the effort of establishing uh, a rapport with somebody, you know, you want someone that's going to be around. Right. Um, and as lawyers, we're pack rats, so we keep everything, um, which is nice. Uh, you know, we had an issue at our firm where somebody was talking about something from like 1950, uh, 56 or something like that, like a year after this firm was started and we had that document. So that's always a nice thing too about attorneys is we keep everything. <laughs> 
I know, too, one of the reasons we sought out an attorney was we have uh, a friend who is also a listener. So hi, Rachel, um, who is an attorney for the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. And she said that you really want to have an attorney relationship before it's 3 a.m. and you're calling because you have a manure spill or you're in jail or whatever, that you want to know that your attorney is going to answer the phone and they're much more likely to do that if they know who you are before you're calling them in the middle of the night. Yes. And you really want them to be familiar with you before you need something. It's the whole stitch in time saves nine sort of situation. Um, If I already know your background, I am much more likely to give you more accurate advice and specific advice in that kind of crisis moment than if I don't know you and I'm giving you general, it depends sort of answers um, because a lot of the law is, it's written black and white, but it's interpreted in the gray area. And so if I don't know some of those kind of answers my advice is going to be a lot more generalized and it might not be as specific as it could be as um, if I know kind of more of the particulars about the person and their current situation. Mm-hmm. Though I am hoping, hoping I don't get a 3 a.m. call. <laughs> um, I'm also hoping that uh, I don't think we're going to have any good legal questions at 3 a.m. Nothing like, you know, good happens after 11. Yeah, I don't, I don't foresee anything real positive happening at three o'clock in the morning. Leads into my other question is talking about the benefits of establishing a relationship with a smaller practice versus uh, a larger practice. Yeah, so there are downsides um, to both. You know, there's always a pro and cons list. Um, The pro for a smaller firm is that we are likely to know you, your kids, your uncles, your cousin, the, you know, the weirdo cousin that lives three blocks down the road, you know, we're likely to know all those people. Um, and we're likely to know more about your situation. You know, if you say, oh yeah, you know, well, we're over back by old Walmart. We're likely to know where that actually is rather than sitting there going, and then where is old Walmart again? Um, the, so you kind of, you get more one-on-one um, that way. The, there are some downsides. If things kind of get complicated, um, we might not have the resources to be able to handle a big, big case. Um, you know, we can't really do class actions here. We're not that kind of uh, size, but we also, we are general practice attorneys. So um, we have our hands in a lot of different areas, but we might not be total experts in that area. Whereas a larger firm would have just tax clients, uh section that only does taxes throughout the entire year. There will be just probate where all they do is just wills, trusts, and administration thereof, um, guardianships and things like that. You know, there's highly specified areas. Um, But the thing about rural attorneys is we all went to law school with at least a few people who went to some of those bigger firms. And so um, the really cool thing about the Iowa bar specifically is that we're all very interconnected and we all have these huge lift serves that we're on. And it's always, I have a client, I need them. I need this specific thing. Does anybody have a recommendation? And we can get them to somebody if we don't already have a personal relationship with a larger firm um, that can kind of help handle those. So I always say that the smaller firms are the best of both worlds because we can connect you to the bigger firms, um, but they each have their drawback um, going one way or the other, but for the kind of more collegial um, one-on-one sort of sit-down talks, um, I think you're going to get, especially in a rural area, you're going to be dealing with a smaller attorney. 
or a smaller attorney firm. Not necessarily a smaller attorney, but I mean, I'm short, but. <laughs> <laughs> so what sort of documents should all parents have in place? And what about all business owners? Are there fairly general things that are generally good practice to? Uh, uh, well, it, I think anything in writing is always a good, <laughs> good first step. Um, so as far as businesses are concerned, um, it depends on the type of business. So the favorite lawyerly phrase of it depends. Um, you know, if you're a corporation, you're, you're going to have to register with your state. It's going to be a good first step. Um, there are a multitude of different kind of corporations that you might have or entities or um, companies. Um, you could have a limited liability company, which is perhaps the most common um, that we see because it is a cheap filing. It is a single paper filing and it affords you a lot of um, protections as a company. Um, so that is probably the most common that we will see as an LLC. And that would have to be at least a written document that's filed with the Secretary of State. And then you'll have to do your um, their biennial reports. So every other year, you'll have to do a report um, essentially saying, is this business still in ineffective who who's the person that we need to talk to um other than that everything is kind of up to the individual person you should be having annual meetings that kind of goes through what your business did that year how you're approving things that i don't see a lot of people doing that <laughs> i often say you know you can have like a little christmas celebration or end of the year celebration and kind of go over the business all at the same time it'll be great <laughs> But um, not a lot of people do that uh, until it becomes an issue. <laughs> so um, I would always try to recommend an operating agreement um, or some sort of uh, agreement that kind of says who's involved in this. Um, if you're having stocks or things like that um, or equity interest, what that interest is, how much people are paying in, what that gets them who's running the business, who is dealing with the taxes. So if somebody's supposed to be filing taxes for this corporation, who is that person? Who should the IRS be talking to? Um, and kind of how you're gonna divvy up the work because a lot of arguments happen when you have one person saying, I mean, it's, it's the classic school group project issue where one person came up with the idea of this and the other person executed the whole thing. Well, who, who did really the work? You know, you, you got the person who started it and the person who middle and ended it, then the other Joe Schmo who just put their name on the top corner. Um, and that it just it, translating that to the business world, you're not looking for a grade. You're a lot of times looking at money and losses. And so everybody has kind of that blue sky idea of things where it's going to be great. We're going to make so much money. We won't even have to worry about the bad things. But a lot of businesses fail within the first five years, within the first year, a lot. Um, so you have to really kind of think about those losses and you don't want to at the beginning. It's just like, nobody wants to draft a will because they don't want to think about dying. But at the end of the day, do you want to at least have kind of clear guidelines as to what's going to happen, making sure that if person A put in a hundred thousand dollars, that they're getting a hundred thousand dollars back if possible, or that, um, person A put in $100,000, person B put in $50,000, and your debts are, are $75,000. Should that be allocated 
where $150,000 person walks away with only $25,000 and the other person walks away with $50,000. That doesn't seem quite fair, um, even though one person took on more risk than the other. So there's all these eventualities. And if you have them written down, you can um, talk about what's going to happen if it happens, if the worst was to happen, when everybody is happy and in agreement. And when everybody is blue skying this and we're not gonna, we don't think we're gonna have losses, but if so, this is, this is a fair idea. This is before we get to the um, side of things where now we're fighting over every dollar. We are fighting over who did what. It's just a bloodbath and you get attorneys involved <laughs> and then it gets more expensive to try to figure this out. Um, but if you have something written down when everybody's happy at least at that point in time, we're hopeful that it's as fair as you want it because you want it to succeed rather than it's no longer fair because I just want you to be hurt because I'm hurt. So what about um, documents for parents? Because I know one thing that because you did the wills for my husband and I and also our um, not custody agreements, um, guardianship agreements in case something should, I mean, I feel as much as I don't want to say it, like the chances are high that eventually one and or both of us will die. I feel like that's hopefully not for a very, very long time, but you know, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. Um, that especially when we're talking about children with a family farm, there's a lot of assets and there's what is essentially an extra child that has to be taken care of that, you know, especially for folks with livestock has truly immediate needs but you're also looking at leaving potentially very young children with a very large asset to manage and how you care for that asset and transfer that asset and that it's not as simple as just oh we have a house and a car um you know that there's a whole layer of complexity yeah there i would always recommend any person um, any person who's over the age of 18, get a will. Even if you have nothing, um, you might eventually have something and you might not have had time to make a will before things happen. That being said, there the state always has um, their own process. So in the event that somebody dies without a will, there is a process to get things divided. But that might, might not be what you want. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of things that we see in Iowa specifically is um, farmers who want the land to pass down to their specific bloodline. And um, if we have that, um, so if it was a situation where it was running through dad's family and if dad died young and mom remarries and has new kids, now what are we gonna do if mom is holding the estate, dad wanted it to go just to the bloodline, but we've got more kids that are involved because mom remarried and mom had the farm in her name. Um, that sort of situation can come up. And so the biggest thing is to get a will um, because that can dictate where it's gonna go outside of how the state would dictate where it would go. Um, and you can um, kind of talk about trusts, you can talk about guardianships, you know, in the event that you have kids that are really little and you think, um, that they're going to inherit, you can set up uh, what's called the testamentary trust, which is a trust that only gets enacted if that person passes away. 
Um, and so like what would happen then? Could they inherit right away or is it gonna wait until they're a certain age? Um, would they get access to it you know, early? Uh, like part of it early and then part of it later so that they don't blow it all when they're 18 sort of situation. Um, those sort of things are, you know, can all be discussed with a probate attorney on talking about your will. Would also recommend powers of attorney. Um, powers of attorney are um, kind of who can act for you if you cannot act or if you authorize that person to act. A lot of times it's going to be the spouse um, or like another third party, but I would always recommend a power of attorney because you could still be alive and want things done, especially in a farm situation. If you have a farm accident and you're in the hospital and you need something signed off so that we can get somebody else uh, involved on a lease on that farm for the next however, or to get just the crops off, you're going to need a POA to have somebody else sign for that if you need a signature on it. Um, that's something that you're still alive, so you should still be able to be ma making those decisions, but you're just incapacitated and unable to make that decision. That way, you don't have to go to the courts and set up a guardianship, and that takes time. POAs are something that you can do now that grants authority in the event that you're unable to act so that you don't have to waste that time. Um, and then I think those would probably be the biggest documents I think you should have as a parent, um, just generally speaking. Um, everybody else's situation might be a little bit different, um, but I think one of the biggest things is to have a discussion with those people as well, um, making sure that they know, hey, in the event that something happens, this is our plan for the farm, you know, and it could be somebody else. Um, if we've got generational farmers, it could be, you know, um, talking to grandparents and saying, hey, this is how we're planning on running the farm. Cool. Um, just kind of letting them know in the event that something happens, this is what we want. Um, you could have that written down um, if you wanted to, or you could just have a discussion with them. Nobody likes that discussion, but um, I always say it's always better to have that discussion, make that person mad at you rather than make them mad at the situation later um, or at somebody else who's not involved in making this decision um, because you're the one making the decision for you. Um, the situation I always see is, you know, parents, if they want to give something very specific to one child, make that discussion and say, I'm, I'm giving it to this person because she always sat in that chair. It's like an heirloom chair. She always sat in that chair. That was our memory. I want her to specifically have that so she can have that with her kids. Um, but if the other sibling was like, well, I also sat in that chair a couple times. If you make that discussion ahead of time, that person is going to be mad at the person in who made that decision, not mad at the si sibling who got it. You know, it's, it's easier to be mad at that person um, when or being mad at the sibling when they actually receive that property if you wanted that property um, after the time and it just breaks down families. So um, I always recommend having at least a discussion with somebody else other than, I mean, hopefully you're having discussions with your spouse about this as well, but outside if you're having another decision maker, especially if you're thinking that decision maker is going to be acting sooner rather than later if you get um, like the worst thing is always like a cancer diagnosis, you know, having those discussions um, sooner rather than later is always going to be better. Um, and it'll kind of help make sure things are run the way you want them to be run. 
using that whole like surprise you got guardianship of our kids thing is like fine and good for hollywood movies but the idea of a surprise you got guardianship of our kids and of the farm in real life does not really strike me as a are you telling me that hollywood is fake right now i'm just saying sandra that we've given you a fair amount of money to make sure that we don't do this to somebody because that seems a little harsh and yes it is better to have these discussions before you need them than to be like hey by the way this is their lawyer you know calling on the phone and you've got 20 minutes to go do chores because these kids and these cows are your problem now right and it's also good to have that discussion because maybe that person you don't know everything about that person maybe they don't think that they could handle that or maybe they have plans to move out of state Mm -hmm. um you know it's a kind of a two-way street. You might want that person uh, to have custody of your kids if you if anything happens, but they also might be going and deciding that they want to become a wilderness expert in Alaska. Do you want your kids up there? <laughs> they might secretly hate your kids and just not want them. And you right. should give them a way to say that politely without, <laughs> you know, being at your funeral and being like, no, yeah. no, I'm going to move to Alaska to stay away from your kids. Do you have any other specific um, comments on on the types of things that farmers need to be looking at kind of beyond what you already talked about in in business terms, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like ag specific things in regards to, you know, equipment, land, animals, all those types of things. Are are there things that we should be considering? Yeah. um, So always talk to your tax professional. Um, for ag, because there are a lot of interesting changes that are happening in tax as far as um, ag is concerned, you know, whether or not we should purchase another or trade in a combine to get the depreciation or not. Um, You know, some, especially this past year, because of COVID, a lot of things are different and tax implications are huge. So I'd always recommend talking to your tax professional um, really early on, you know, um, as soon as we kind of get regs, uh, we like to see those farmers kind of, <laughs> I mean, they may be asking questions that we can't answer yet, but we might have an idea as to kind of what you should be doing. Also looking forward, um, you know, whether or not you should be gifting that property, um, if you should be gifting property or if you should be um, having them pay for property, if you're wanting a specific person to have a portion of your land, whether or not it should be inherited. Um, All of those have very big, big tax implications where if you gift a piece of property, the basis that you have in that property is whatever you had in it as you gifted it. So if you, if this is a generational sort of situation and there was a mortgage on the property and the basis is like $200, you know, for an acre of land um, and you sell it for Uh, or that person gifts it and they sell it for, I mean, this is going to be just not real numbers, but you know, if they sell it for 800, they now have capital gains on $600 of that acre, you know, Um, or whether it was inherited when that person passed away and it was at that time, the land price was 700 per acre. They only have capital gains on a hundred. So that can have some implications there. Um, I would also always recommend, um, 
reviewing what you're doing at the co-op and how they're distributing things at the co-op. Um, I would also recommend any sort of like leases that you're entering into getting that reviewed. Um, some of the language that is appropriate um, and allowed by the SEC is not really in favor for farmers. Um, I mean, it's each contract's different, each person's different, each everything is each different. I just recommend it, at least looking at them or getting them reviewed because sometimes they have clawback provisions that are not very favorable or um, making sure that things are appropriately leaned um, if there's a security interest on the crop that you're not, um, you're not uh, taking that grain into to the co-op that there's, if somebody else has the lean on there, you know, making sure that everything is kind of set up. Um, and also just taking a look at the books, you know, um, whoever's looking at the books, they can give you kind of ideas as to where the farm is going. If there is some red flags that are up there, um, kind of just sitting down and reviewing and knowing kind of where things are, how they're doing um, is always a good idea. It's easy to kind of look out into the field and see, oh yeah, you know, corn's, corn's good this year. <laughs> Um, it's a lot harder to say, yeah, corn's good, but, uh, you know, our finances here aren't that great. You know, we've got a lot of, a lot of um, debt that we're working with that I don't know if we're going to be able to reconcile that at the end of the season. Um, so those are kind of the big things. Uh, I mean, there's all a lot of kind of general <laughs> sort of situations, but I would always recommend um, talking to a tax professional is always going to be a good idea. Um with your with ag just in general um but then also maybe <laughs> plugging in attorney um but also maybe having attorneys review some of those contracts if, especially if they're new people that you're working with or if it's a new contract that you're working with um having somebody review that for you that knows the language and knows actually what's kind of going down rather than just signing it it's probably a good idea so how do you deal with folks that don't want to deal with getting a will because they don't want to face the they're likely to actually need it eventually. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've known a number of people who say, well, I don't want to think about that. Like, well, cool, but that's not really a protective measure. You know, yeah. I don't, nobody really wants to think about that. Uh, unless if you're me, where I just sit there and I, I like look at my will once a year, every year on my birthday, because just in case it's changed. <laughs> um, I would always see how mad you are at the dog that day as to what he's going to inherit. Right. Is he going to be an inheritor or not? <laughs> um, I would, my favorite phrase ever is, um, especially with older people is, would you allow somebody to come into your home without you doing the dishes, without you picking up and with you, um, you know, just in some really ratty gym, gym clothes, would you, is that your ideal situation? Nine out of 10 people will say, no, that's not my ideal situation. I'd like to have some notice if companies coming over so I can clean things up. That is precisely what a will does is it cleans things up so other people don't have to look at a mess or don't have to deal with a mess. Being an executor or um, under a will is a lot of work. You have to account for everything that that person held at the time of their death. Like a simple estate, you still got to account for if they have a house, if they have any stocks and bonds, if they have insurance, if they have IRAs, if they had a pension, if they had bank accounts, if they had vehicles, all of those things. Um, I mean, there's also 
other real property and things like that that might be included in there. But um, all of those things need evaluation at the date of death. So you have to figure out, okay, I have this stock in Google and this person passed away in, on November 2nd. What was the exact price of that on November 2nd? You know, um, IRAs, who do they go to? Um, what kind of tax implications are we gonna have? So it is a lot of detailed work. Not to mention if they have a home and possessions and that you need to sell them off or distribute them however, that's a lot of effort that they're going to. Um, so having a will and detailing what you want done with it is going to be the nicest thing that you're going to do for them. It is not necessarily so that you can make sure that you're controlling everything after you pass. It's just giving them an idea of what you want so that, like I said, you want people mad at the person who passed away because what are they going to do about it? You know, rather than being mad at the sibling who's the executor and who's dividing things up, you don't want to be mad at that person. You don't want the family mad at that person for their decisions that they make because you didn't make any um, when you had the chance. So that would be my advice, but you know, not everybody's going to want to do it. I know too, for myself, like we came in and had medical POAs done. And to me, that was really important because I don't want to add to the stress of a situation where somebody else would need to make a medical decision for me with them having to figure out what that decision should be. You know, right. If I've already made that decision, it's pretty clear and they can blame it on me for whatever, mm -hmm. you know, whatever their feelings are about that, rather than them having to fight about what they think the best decision is. Right. You know, that just because I am a control freak and <laughs> I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't really want that put on somebody else. I like your comment too about reviewing your will annually, whether or not that actually, you know, whether it's on your birthday or you pick an, another fest, festive occasion, but it's okay to also write a will for now, right? I mean, the, mm -hmm. the guardian you pick for your one child when they're two might be different than the guardian you would pick for your four kids when they're teenagers, you know, like your, your life your life changes and your business changes and there's a lot of a lot of things can go on and you might want to change that person you know the the person who was your executor when you first wrote your will when you were 20 you know may no longer be alive or may no longer be capable or you've you found someone else you think we would do a good job so i mean there's the will can be updated at, at any time but it's always good to have something in writing yes very true and I always say, you know, I review it once a year just to see if there's any changes, but um, I know most people won't do that, um, but I do recommend kind of checking it out every seven to 10 years because approximately once every seven to 10 years is you have a big life event um, is just typically how uh, we seem to work as humans. So if that event changes how you would divvy up your will, you can do it then. So you don't have to be redoing a will once a month or redoing a will once a year. You could literally have it in place for 20 years, 30 years. If there is no change that you want, you don't have to make a change. But you are absolutely right. You can always change anything. And sometimes if it's a small change, you don't even have to rewrite the whole will. We can have do what's called a or like it's called a little will, where you just change a paragraph and the rest of the will stays in place. So there's always ways to work around it, but you are absolutely right. You can always change things. So this is usually Katie's favorite question, unless Katie, you have any other uh, legal questions while, while we've got Sandra on the line. I don't because I already paid her to do our wills and our POAs <laughs> and, uh, right. for other legal advice. So 
<laughs> See, she owed me, and then she had to come on the podcast. So, <laughs> you know. so this is one of our longstanding questions. What county fair contest could you dominate? And this can be either a real category or one that you make up so that you know you're going to win it. <laughs> How to be a redhead in Decorah, Iowa, while practicing law. I would dominate. Oh, yes. <laughs> Ribbons for you. Very little competition. Yeah, actually, I did um, at the state fair in Minnesota when I was in sixth grade. I won the blue ribbon for my tree project because we submit them to the state. Um, and so that was my only <laughs> entry or submission to any sort of fair ever. <laughs> but you won it. I did. I did. I got six whole dollars. <laughs> wow. The, yeah. All right. So it is time for cussing and discussing. Arlene, what have you got? So... This has been a more serious episode, and I'm going to kind of keep it in that vein because um, in a small town nearby where my sister and brother-in-law live, my brother-in-law is actually a volunteer firefighter, and there was fire last week, and there was the loss of life of a young child, and my brother-in-law was one of the ones on the scene, and some firefighters actually were trapped in the building for a time, and they, they got them out, but a young child passed away, and I just want to remind people to check your smoke detectors because it's a really simple thing to do, but, you know, just go check them, make sure they work. You know, even the one in the kitchen that goes off whenever you turn the broiler on, you know, put the batteries in and just look after that kind of stuff because it's too sad when they don't work. Anyway, that took it down a notch, but check your smoke detectors. Sandra, do you have anything that you would like to cuss and discuss this week? I don't know now. <laughs> I'm sorry. It feels like one of those important things we need to say now and then. No, I'm just, I'm just really excited about Christmas lights going up. <laughs> but it feels real sad after that. <laughs> That's all right. I've been driving around enjoying the Christmas lights too. Yeah. Oh, but oh, the fire hazard is making sure that if you have a live tree, make sure it's watered. Um, otherwise, it is a tinderbox, but it smells real nice. So Here's something to cuss and discuss. We've gotten two date nights in under a week because we were at the hospital. So <laughs> make of that what you will. That's the most time we've spent together in probably two or three years, like without yeah. the kids. <laughs> it's been... I'm just going to guess there's no good food in the hospital. No, but we did have a really nice lunch on our way home yesterday so that was good and we went to target and we went to farm and home and oh i know i saw the most midwestern thing i've ever seen in my life yesterday so we're driving past culver's in lacrosse wisconsin and you know with the the covid and everything they've opened two drive-through lanes um because most of the restaurant dining rooms are still closed and the one in lacrosse instead of you know most of them have like a little pavilion where the employee is you know there's a live human out like in the drive-through lane taking orders but the one in lacrosse they have a deer blind out there for the person to stand <laughs> in and it is just the most wisconsin thing i've ever seen so i'd really like you know if they could get like charlie barons maybe to come at work at the the one in lacrosse there right sandra knows who i'm talking about and he could just like be in there taking orders from people like i would yes. I, it's like a, a life goal to get him on this show so if anybody has an in with him or an in with just getting him to go to the Culver's and lacrosse and take orders standing in their deer blind, because it just, it's- I feel like he would. Gotta, you gotta send one of the Twitters at him. 
So thank you everyone for joining us here on Barnyard Language. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Barnyard Language. And on Twitter, we are Barnyard Pod. If you want to connect with other farming families, join the private Facebook group, Barnyard Language Group. And please like, rate, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you enjoyed listening to us today, leave a five-star review. Or a six-star review. We are on the lookout. Or a six-star Oh, yeah, give us six-star. Yeah, that's much better. And if you give us any less, if you want to give us less than five or six stars, just don't bother. You can skip the reviewing part. We are on the lookout for future guests. I'll take that. Oh, okay. (laughs) We're getting very technical here. We're on the lookout for future guests for the podcast. If you or someone you know would like to chat with us, please get in touch. Especially if it's Charlie You can support the show by becoming... (laughs) I'm not going to get through this without being interrupted. No, you're not. (laughs) You can support the show by being a patron on the Barnyard Language Patreon. A small monthly donation will allow us to keep producing the show. Mm